Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Hey, what's up? It's Sean Woodley here from Locked On Raptors, joined by one half of the Locked On Bucks podcast to help preview the biggest game. Maybe that's a stretch, but one of the biggest games <laughs> of the season in the NBA between the top two teams in the Eastern Conference on Tuesday night. It is Kane Pittman. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, and I, I don't I don't know whether that is too much of a stretch, certainly in the Eastern Conference, because. Uh, I'm really excited to see this game because there just isn't too many games. This sounds ridiculous to say, but there just isn't too many games where the Bucks play where you go into it <laughs> thinking, what am, what am I actually going to take away from this game? If the Bucks win, which they probably will, what am I going to take away from beating, uh, I don't know, the, any any random team in the East? You know, so, so this game, win or lose, is going to be great because uh, there's some real takeaways to come from this. And as we head towards the playoffs, uh, I think that these games mean more and more. I feel like I've seen the Bucks beat the Pistons about 40 times this season. <laughs> and each <laughs> and time by 75 points. Every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's depressing as hell every single time. Christian Wood or something has like 18 points in a losing <laughs> effort. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really dark. And yeah, it's been a long time too since the Raptors and Bucks played. And right. things have really changed, I think, from that first matchup, just in terms of how the teams are playing. The Raptors are going to be without Marcus Saul and Norman Powell. And I'm sure Bucks fans will breathe a sigh of relief to hear Norman Powell's not playing against them. <laughs> um, and, uh, it, you know, the Bucks have obviously been ridiculous since that opening stretch of the season when the Raptors and Bucks first played in that game where the Bucks got out big uh, to a big lead. And then the Raptors nearly got it back and uh, I think it brought it to within a possession or two in crunch time. But things have very much changed and the narrative of the season has evolved such that you know the bucks are very clearly the best team i think there's a lot of people in toronto right now and i talked about this on monday's episode of locked on raptors like i think there's a lot of people trying to talk themselves into the raptors being a similar team to the bucks in terms of like overall quality and while i think the raptors are extremely good and i think they at least stand a puncher's chance in a playoff series down the line potentially I think it's a little unfair to the Bucks to say that the Raptors are anywhere close to their stratosphere right now because they're really not. No one is. They're just like wiping the floor with everybody they play. Their net rating is historic. Giannis is putting up like 30, 15, and 7 on in like 29 minutes every single night. It's been absurd. Chris Middleton's been amazing. Even Eric Bledsoe, who I believe gets his championship ring from the Raptors on Tuesday night, uh, <laughs> has been really, really good this season too. Um, I, I don't know, Kane, like, how have the Bucks done this? I know like their formula is pretty simple. Like they, you know, the, the Mike Budenholzer setup for the regular season seems to really yield a lot of wins no matter who is on the team, but they just seem to be on a different level of dominance than they even were last season. And like what's been the formula and how have they gotten out to this 48 and 8 record and, and seemingly doing so, as Nick Nurse pointed out in his post game on Monday or Sunday night, you know, doing so with every game being over at halftime. Yeah, I mean, they're just so consistent. And I, I think that we've seen really good regular uh, season teams in the past where uh, they will slip up 
and they'll have a bad loss or they'll lose to a bad team. And the Bucks just don't do that. And it's based on the defense of by far the number one defense in the NBA. And they protect the paint, they protect the rim, and they, and they do not waver from that at all. They don't uh, they don't steer away from from that uh, task that they're trying to do. And we see the teams just cannot score uh, at the rim. And and even though the game has changed, and all these teams are shooting all these threes, uh, dunking and layups are still the most efficient shot in the game. And the Bucks just don't give them uh, don't give them up. And it starts with Brook Lopez, who yeah, it's so crazy to think that that was a guy earlier in his career that was seen as a poor defender. And I think that it's still taken a lot of people outside Milwaukee a fair bit of time to catch up and realize what he's doing defensively. But uh, he's just a monster uh, in Mm. in the paint in terms of blocking shots. And now they've replaced uh, whoever was playing the five last year. They played a lot of small ball five. We saw this in the conference finals. finals. Some Giannis, some Ersan. Now they've got Robin Lopez, and they just throw him in there. And we saw this against the Sixers in particular, that having those two huge bodies standing there, uh, they wear teams down. And the only time the Bucks have really lost is when teams have gone absolutely scorched earth from outside uh, and shot a ridiculous percentage from three and a, and a crazy amount uh, of three. So it's kind of a wild formula to suggest or to, to talk about. But if you want to beat the Bucks, you're probably going to have to hit 23s and that's just that's just how it's been. It's crazy. Yeah, and look, I think the Raptors are a team that can get hot from three sure. on any given night. I mean, they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They roll out a lot of lineups where one through five, everyone's at least an average shooter or better. You know, Serge Ibaka has bounced back from a really bad season last year to shooting 40% this season from three, and that changes the dimensions of everything and kind of changes the lineups they can roll out there and stuff like that too. Outside of Ronda Hellish-Jefferson, everyone is a pretty good shooter. But yeah, it's a daunting task to have to have like your shooting night anytime you play the Bucks, And that's the really scary proposition against them in a playoff series is just the math is so tough to make up because of the, what they do at the rim. And, you know, I just, it's, it's tricky, man. But I think the Raptors have at least some pieces on hand. If you're looking at this Raptors team, Kane, and you're sort of thinking about the teams that have given the Bucks trouble this season, do the Raptors sort of offer some of those elements that might give them some issues, whether it's on the defensive end, you know, with guys like OJ Ananobi and Pascal Siem and, you know, Serge Ibaka, Noga Gasol in the game, which I think is going to be a, a really big detriment to the Raptors on Tuesday night. But um, like, do you see either on the defensive end or in terms of the offensive sort of principles they have and, and the way they run their offense? Like, do you see the formula and like the blueprint of a team that can give the Bucks trouble based on, you know, what the blueprint has been so far this season? Well, the Raptors are hard because, as you know, and all your listeners will know, I don't know what the hell the Raptors are going to do in this game. And that's the, that's the crazy thing about Toronto. But in terms of the blueprint, I already spoke about shooting threes against the Bucks, But obviously, the other important thing here is can they slow down Giannis in any way? Now, uh, there hasn't been too many teams that have done this. We saw the Sixers, obviously. Uh, you know, Giannis had a really, really poor uh, game on Christmas Day. Now, uh, I know that Bucks fans will be quick to remind everyone that Giannis had a sore back, but I always say, if you're playing, it doesn't really matter. There's no excuses. And the Sixers did this with multiple big bodies. And I don't think there's been a team in the league that has defended Giannis as well, showing him multiple bodies once he gets down in the paint than the Raptors. I mean, we saw this for the entire conference finals last year. So the question for me is, can, and obviously no Marcus Gasol hurts, but can 
uh, Siakam, Serge Barker, all these guys, can they get enough bodies around him once he gets to the point of attack and picks up his dribble? Are they going to be able to stop him from dunking and, and scoring on them all night long? Now, this is not something that, We've seen really this season, and we've seen some adjustments from Giannis. Last year in the, in the conference finals, I don't think that he was quick enough to make decisions out of those double teams. We've seen the adjustment just as recently as the other night against the Sixers where Joel Embiid still did a pretty good job uh, of forcing Giannis to pick up that dribble and stop him, but then Giannis made a quick decision, whether it was to pull a, a mid-range fadeaway, which he's really bringing into his arsenal now, and it's looking like a good shot, or did he make a quick pass to a cutter we're seeing a lot more of that from the Bucks with cuts and guys moving uh, without the ball, which we didn't see. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's the question. I mean, but I don't know really what Nick Nurse is going to do defensively because we know it, it can change on, on any given night, which is which is what makes the Raptors such a wild card team because they must be hard to scout, right? Because you don't know what they're <laughs> going to do. Yeah, and I think I'm really fascinated to see what Nurse does in terms of like his sort of base strategy against the Bucks because like yeah, I think conventional wisdom would suggest that maybe you try to, you know, keep the the playbook closed a little bit for a team that you might play in a potential conference finals down the line, but you know, the way Nick Nurse changes things up, I don't think you're at risk of, you know, any team, any one team sort of getting the book on you as it were. And ultimately, there's only 3 games here between the Raptors and Bucks between now and the end of the season for the Raptors to try some stuff out and like sort of workshop some things. I wouldn't be surprised if we see three different looks over the course of the three games, even though the one, the two in April might just be, you know, garbage time yeah. to start to finish with, with, you know, guys resting and whatnot, considering uh, especially the Bucks, like the, the, the lead they have over the field right now. But I'm curious to see if we see like a really aggressive sort of Nick Nurse scheme where it's like, all right, let's just throw two bodies at Giannis when he gets to half court. See if a we can stop him there. That doesn't like it, it even feels like impossible to trap. That's the thing. He's like terrifying, and his strides are so enormous. He's so big, um, and it just seems really daunting to even do that too. But I wonder if they'll just sell out the way they have against most stars this season. We saw it with James Harden. Uh, we saw it with Kawhi Leonard in the first matchup where the Raptors were in L.A. We've seen it with Damian Lillard. We've seen it all over the place, and they're not afraid to just play three on four defense for a little bit to try to you know recover and scramble out to shooters because they're really really good at that and pascal siakam you know can cover tons of ground and is one of the best contesters of quarter threes in the, in the entire league and so i wonder if they'll just do that and just say all right everyone else beat us chris middleton please beat us we're not going to let Giannis do it or if they just sort of go with a more sort of conservative scheme where they just drop back to the paint they've been really really good much like the bucks at preventing shots around the rim and collapsing and sort of gang rim protection has been sort of their thing this season with chris boucher flying out of nowhere to swat shots away and abaka doing the same thing and i wonder if maybe they sort of you know try to draw Giannis in and then force him to pass him a, pass out once he gets close to the rim. It, it's you know there's no easy thing. He's freaking Giannis. He's amazing, uh, and he's terrifying. And I'm just I, I'm with you. I'm kind of unsure what to expect because that's the nice thing and sort of the curse of Nick Nurse is it's really hard to sort of predict what's going to happen because he seems to have all these little schemes and plans in his back pocket that he can bust out at any time and it's uh it's pretty cool to uh to, to sort of watch it all unfold i'm not sure how to play against Giannis, and again like i think without norm and without gasol the raptors are kind of in tough to pull out a win in this one but i guess if nick nurse gets weird enough you, you never know what can happen i suppose 
Yeah, so I mean, the other thing that'll be interesting for me is uh, who's going to actually get the job on on Giannis. Now, the problem is, yeah, I mean, you might think that Siakam, we've certainly seen him at times defend Giannis, but we also saw him get in foul trouble last time pretty early in the game. And that's kind of the risky run if you want to put Siakam, because put it this way, if Pascal Siakam gets in foul trouble early in this game and is hampered by that throughout, then I don't think the Raptors are any chance. And so they need Mm -hmm. that guy probably to have a big night offensively. We know that the Raptors are deep and they have, it feels like they have a different contributor every single win, but Siakam certainly is a guy that they're going to want to have a big night. So does he defend uh, Giannis? I'm not sure. Well, I, I guess that will be something to watch. And the other thing to note when you when you talk about the Raptors, what they might do defensively, if they do try and protect the paint, which obviously with Giannis is, is the smart move, the, the way that the Bucks defend and, and the fact that they do turn teams into jump shooting teams and make them uh, shoot from the outside, Bud denies that this is uh, something that he actually wants, but the three-point shots are open. They're going to be there. So the, the, mm. the issue with that is if you aren't knocking down those shots, then the Bucks' ability to rebound and get out in transition and score in about three seconds is just ridiculous. Yeah. And obviously they put the ball in Giannis' hands and that's when the defense doesn't have time to get set. So it's an interesting game that the Bucks are playing. But for me, and this is maybe more of a, a broader question because obviously I haven't watched the Raptors as closely as you have. I have people all the mm-hmm. time asking me who I, if I was the Bucks, who I'd be concerned about coming into the playoffs. And I always mention the Raptors because they're damn good and they're, they're really well coached. And, and I guess they've been there. They've done that. They've won the championship. They've got that experience. The one thing with the Raptors is, first of all, if you have a big lead against that team, you probably shouldn't feel confident. And and secondly, they're, they're not going to get nervous in big moments. So that's what I like about the Raptors. But when I think about them, I look at the roster they have and I'm like, okay, it's basically the same as last year without Kawhi. So mm-hmm. what? How, how deep can they generally go in the playoffs with that roster but no Kawhi? I know a lot of guys have improved, but that's what I keep coming back to. Yeah, I, I think the... The big question is Pascal Siakam, right? And I think the matchup with Giannis is going to be pretty telling and it's going to be an interesting sort of, uh, you know, lamp post or what, marking post, whatever the whatever thing you mark distance <laughs> with with a post. That's what it's going to be for Siakam to see how he's come in his sort of, you know, growth as the number one option. And, you know, we've kind of talked recently on the show about how, you know, the Raptors have really started to funnel the offense through him late in games in particular and over the course of games. And I think they've kind of, uh, made this deal with themselves that they're going to take segments of the game to really devote to having Pascal sort of hone his his skills and his and his sort of repertoire as a number one option. And I mean, we saw last year in the playoffs, Giannis probably gave him more trouble than any of the very very good defenders he came across outside of maybe Joel Embiid. Um, and I mean that that ringer itself going through Isaac Embiid, Giannis, and Draymond Green as his primary guards throughout the playoffs certainly helped him a great deal. And he's changed his shot profile a ton this season, right? Like he is basically all threes from above the break as opposed to in the corner last season. He, you know, creates his own shot quite a bit. He posts up a lot and is really, really good from the post at this point. He's a really good identifier of where the double's coming from and where the cutter is going to be. And he's gotten much more refined at that even over the last month or so here. And I'm excited to see presumably Giannis guard him and see what he can do with it because we have seen guys that are sort of longer and and sort of elite level defenders it's not a long long list of guys but Giannis is certainly on that list Uh, I am curious to see how Pascal holds up as the number one option with Giannis 
you know, kind of haranguing him. And that's going to be pretty telling. And look, I think the Raptors defense is good enough across the board and they have enough shooting across the board outside of Ronda Hellas Jefferson, who really is the only guy who might get in to the playoff rotation, who is not like a notable shooter. I think they have enough to make a conference finals. And, and, you know, once you get to the conference finals, you never know. We saw last year when the Raptors made the finals, injury weirdness happened and they won the freaking title. You're one rolled ankle away from, from, from things breaking your way, obviously. And so like, yeah, I think the lack of like a Giannis level talent or a Kawhi level talent probably does cap them out somewhere, but Pascal is also very good and has improved a ton this season and has sort of worked through, I think, some midseason growing pains as he's taken on this heavier burden and is kind of figuring things out on the fly here a little bit, too. And so this is going to be a really interesting test. I, I, I don't know how well it will go <laughs> and, you know, it might end up that it has to sort of, you know, tilt over towards Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka pick and pops to maybe sort of get the offense greased up a little bit, which is typically kind of the case. That's sort of their security blanket uh, offense is just those two running things together with Pascal, you know, po- you know, spotting up around the perimeter. But, you know, if, if Pascal can make things happen as a number one, that changes my sort of impression of, of sort of what the ceiling can be with this team, with him leading the way. And, and look, like I said, their defense gives them the floor and the defense is going to keep them in any single series that they come across, whether it's Boston, whether it's Philly, whether it's, you know, the, the Bucks or whatever. And maybe the talent wins out at, 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 for, for the other team at some point. But, you know, I think the, the comparison a lot of people have made with this team is to the 2017-18 Raptors, where they won 59 games and they were incredible and everyone pegged them to beat the Cavs, who were just a disaster that season. And things fell apart in the playoffs because that defense was not good at the best competition. They were a top five defense overall and absolutely got destroyed by the top 10 offenses in the league. They just feasted on bad teams like the Raptors have been really good defensively against everybody, whether it's good or bad teams. And honestly, their sort of strengths shine through more against really good teams where they can really sort of hone those creative schemes and put teams out of their comfort zones. I mean, Jason Tatum has talked about how the Raptors are the team that guards him the best. We've seen really lopsided lines from the Lillards and the Kawhis and the LeBrons this season. And so that is sort of what gives me the hope that they can make a deep run. The offense you know, it, it, it's going to have its, it's like number 10 in the league. It's had its moments where it kind of freezes up and things change a little bit when Gasol's out there and makes things a little bit easier, but it's certainly uh, a fair question to ask. And I think any Raptors fan who, you know, I, I know Raptors fans love to dunk on the bucks and talk about the conference finals <laughs> and all that stuff. And as they should, because they won the title and it's a year of, it's a grace period for a year to be as cocky as you want. But I think anyone, you know, sort of, reasonably you know honestly looking at this this matchup who is not sort of pointing out the real difference in talent between Giannis and the next best player in the series is kind of kidding themselves as you know as good as the Raptors are um that leads me to a question for you Kane so this has been on the Raptors side of things like an extremely fun season no expectation whatsoever they're still in the glow of the championship everyone's having a great time everyone's got a chip on their shoulder and the the results have like far exceeded any preseason expectations the Bucks have been historically good in the regular season. Giannis is probably going to win a second straight MVP. They are an undeniably great team and an awesome story. But I'm curious, you're sort of steeped in it and you know what Bucks fans are feeling. 
what's like the tone around this team this season with Bucks fans? Is it one of like being able to enjoy it as it happens in the moment? Is it one of sort of soaking up and just like reveling in the awesome team? Or is there like stress and urgency because of the big looming, you know, decision in the offseason with the Supermax and, you know, the vultures like us up in Toronto just circling and, and, and drawing inferences to every comment he makes? You know, has it been an enjoyable ride or is it something like that? It's, it's more like a wait and see to the playoff thing before we know how to feel about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's probably a mix of everything. I, I don't think, I, I honestly don't think that there's any, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are a little bit stressed about it, but I, I certainly don't get any uh vibe or or feeling of of stress around Giannis from most of the Bucks fans. I mean I, I think that most people that follow the Bucks and certainly people within the Bucks organization are very, very confident that Giannis is not going anywhere. But uh the one thing that that we do talk about on this podcast multiple times, the only thing that, that could change would be a disastrous playoff run. But I don't really foresee that happening. It is funny though because we do have to from time to time uh, when Frank and I talk on, on Locked on Bucks, we'll be like, well, uh, let's just remind ourselves to enjoy what we're seeing here because Giannis may be on the path to, I mean, we'll see how this plays out. I'm sure there's going to be a, another push for, for LeBron for the for the MVP narrative. But I mean, Giannis is as close to a unanimous MVP season that I think that you could have uh, 30 points, 13 rebound, rebounds, six assists in 30 minutes. I mean, he is just ridiculous. He's having an incredible season, and we get to watch that every night. And so you sometimes have to take a step back and say, well, the Bucs are on pace for 70 wins. They might have the third best regular season in NBA history. But, you know, at the same time, Bucks fans probably don't want to have this run and then get to the playoffs and fall short again, you know? Like, <laughs> they want mm. the ring. They want the championship. And I'm sure most Bucks fans would say, I'd be happy to win 55 games if we win a championship. So what does 70 actually mean? I'm not too sure. But the fact that we do get to watch this team on a nightly basis and how great they are, and not just Giannis, Chris Milton is is having just an absurd season himself, over 20 points, uh, 50-40-90 shooting. Uh, like I already mentioned, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe has bounced back. I mean, again, and it's kind of impressive to see the way that he's been able to respond again after a, a probably disappointing postseason, particularly disappointing conference finals for him. He's been able, to, been able to bounce back and play really well. They've got guys like George Hill is playing out of his mind. Dante DiVincenzo has come in and been a real genuine X factor and a real key to this team now, particularly defensively. So, I mean, the team is just so fun and, and they, they're enjoying it. They're loose. They're having fun. Uh, I think... You know, in the back of Bucks fans' mind, as I said, ultimately, you just want to make sure that this ends up in a championship and you don't look back and say, well, oh, shit, man, we, we won 130 games over the last two regular seasons, but we didn't get a ring. <laughs> yeah. And so let me ask you then, Kane, like, if there is a hang up for you, if there's something that keeps you or Bucks fans spooked at night about their chances to actually do the thing and go to the finals and win the thing, like, is there something, is there a bugaboo with the team? Is there some sort of weakness that can be exploited? Um, you know, is it the sort of drop off in talent after say the top three guys? Is it the, you know, the, the giving up and like happily giving up all the threes on defense? Like what is it if there is something that keeps Bucks fans up at night when they're thinking about the potential title run to come? Um, look, it's probably for me anyway, when I think about it, the the thing that I think that could stop the Bucks is going through uh, some 
really cold shooting again at the worst time. And we saw that in the conference finals. Some of the guys that they picked up, I mean, the guy that I always come back to is is uh, Nikola Mirotic, who was such a great uh, acquisition at the trade deadline. He was a guy that, for me, you know, when I still look back at that trade, that was a, a, an incredible trade. I mean, you, you, you moved Thon Maker, a guy that was not playing anyway and wasn't going to play in the playoffs. Although... Maybe against the Raptors, Raptors fans will will think maybe uh, the Bucks should have kept Thonmaker for that series. But uh, Miritic just couldn't hit a shot and actually played himself out of the rotation. He wasn't the only one. The Bucks were, were awful from three outside of uh, George Hill, and I think Brogdon shot the ball pretty well. So listen, cold shooting at the at the worst time is thing that I'm concerned about. Uh, one other thing that we always talk about is. Will Bud actually play Giannis enough in the postseason? Now, <laughs> Bud is a guy that trusts the depth in this team. And their second unit is incredible. I mean, the depth in this team is, is absolutely remarkable. But when it comes to crunch time, Giannis is the guy that you want on the floor. I always come back to this stat. Last year in the conference finals, Giannis played 18 fewer minutes than Kawhi Leonard. And mm-hmm. for, for either team, when either Kawhi was off or Giannis was off, the results were disastrous. Like those two needed to be on the floor. And I just don't think Bud played Giannis enough. So is he going to play his best players enough and perhaps lean away from those bench units more than he does during the regular season? That's something to watch. And then Eric Bledsoe is the guy that we always come back to. So I think if Eric Bledsoe <laughs> plays to his regular season level in the postseason, the Bucs are winning the championship and there's, it's not even a discussion. Like if he plays to that yeah. level, but will he? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't put, be putting money on it based on, on the past. It's, it's hard. I mean, it, it's a difficult thing. Yeah, uh, Raptors fans know all about Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs. It's, uh... <laughs> right. I mean, but you know, we always I'm come sorry back to, to dance him, we say... on that grave over and over. But man, no. it was no. big. It was big. Re- big reason why they won. Like, there's no doubt about it. He was uh, very, very good for the Raptors in that series. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think um, that, uh, that I think that uh, postseason and and the way that George Hill played, I think, was a big factor in the Bucks bringing George back. And he's been a guy that uh, you know plays mm-hmm. big minutes during the regular season. Obviously, he's shooting over fifty percent from three, but he's a mm-hmm. he's a security blanket there for for Bada at the point guard position if things go uh, the wrong way. Let's just say that. Yeah, George Hill has given the Raptors some fits, so I uh, I'm by no means unafraid of him. That's for damn sure. Uh, Kane, do you have any lingering Raptors questions to throw my way? I feel like I've been uh, bombarding you with Bucks related stuff. If there's anything other than the Raptors that you're interested in, speak now or forever hold your peace or hold your peace until the next time we talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, th- this is the funny thing about it that I, when I watch the Raptors, it does feel like it's just been forever since the Bucks have played them. So I, I feel like I'm just looking forward to watching this game and watching Toronto and seeing what they do. Like I said, I feel like I'm in the dark a little bit in terms of uh, all the different things they're trying, all the, all the stuff Nick Nurse is throwing out there. And not only that, some of the guys that are contributing for this team, like I said, it feels like there's a random player at the end of the bench that comes in and has a big night um, every time I watch them. So I think I just want to get, I just want this game to come. We're recording this before the Bucks play the Wizards. So I should say that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Bucks will have a game before they play the Raptors and Brooke Lopez is not playing tonight with back soreness. So I, I guess, you know, things could change between uh, now when we're recording and, and tip off in Toronto on, on Tuesday night. But no, I, I just, I'm just really excited to see a game of basketball that, like I said, win or lose, uh, you're going to be able to draw some some conclusions from that because uh, it's it's been pretty uh, 
clear sailing for the Bucks. Let's just say that to, to this point in time. So uh, they've got some big games coming up. Uh, obviously, they handled the Sixers pretty comfortably <laughs> the other night. But uh, <laughs> the Raptors are one of those teams. And the Celtics, they've got a couple of games against those teams coming up that I'm really looking forward to. So, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to throw anything else at you right now. But other than I hope you enjoy the game. And uh, I think that this <laughs> one's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, Raptors fans remember if the Raptors win, they are now the title favorites. And if they lose, oh, yeah, they didn't no have question. Norman Marcus Alt, so you know it doesn't really count. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. It's like the Sixers. Uh, it's like the Sixers uh, after Christmas Day. I, I think that I think I, uh, the reason that the Sixers are so bad is because they had a championship parade after Christmas Day. I think. <laughs> I will say. Though there's no Norm Powell uh, to play against the Bucks, you know his favorite food uh, <laughs> on on Tuesday. Uh, Terrence Davis does have like some sneaky Norm Powell sort of tendencies. Like he can go off quite a bit. He's a good three point shooter. He's yeah. a dunker. Uh, and, and Raptor, I'm sorry, Bucks fans didn't really get a chance to see Terrence Davis, although he did play in that game because he's the only Raptor to play in every game for the team this season. Uh, I don't think he was uh, entrenched in the rotation back during that first matchup. So uh, keep an eye out for Terrence Davis. That would be my uh, that'd be my advice to Bucks fans. He's really fun and cool, and uh, I, I look forward to hopefully him ripping the throat out of some deer. <laughs> Kane, man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for, uh, for jumping on for this little crossover action. Do you uh, have anything you want to promote and where can people find the podcast? Oh, well, our podcast at locked on box on Twitter. You can always find it there along with locked on Raptors. You can find it at all the places you get your podcasts. Uh, my Twitter at Kane Pittman. You can get me there or Frank's at F Madden NBA. And uh, like you, we're grinding away every day, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And I think it's always fun to talk to you, first of all. But secondly, my, but the thing I want to leave this podcast with is that I think I might be seeing you in person. We might be able to do an in-person podcast, I think, in May because my prediction is that I might be coming back to Toronto in May. Yeah, I, I think there's a very good possibility of that. Although Boston, <laughs> Boston, uh, they they're there, I guess, and their problem. Uh, we don't need to talk about them. We're talking about the elites today in Boston. And <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> if one thing can unite Raptors and Bucks fans, it is the shared hatred of the Boston Celtics, which is always nice. That unites pretty much everybody in the NBA, I suppose, on some level. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to Locked on Raptors, wherever it is to get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. Uh, Kane, this was a lot of fun, man. Hopefully we can uh, talk down the line, whether it's for the meaningless April matchups or a playoff series up here in Toronto at some point. And uh, this was fun, dude. We'll talk soon. Anytime, my friend.